motherfucker, you have a responsibility to speak recklessly. People. Otherwise, my kids may never know what reckless talk People sounds like. like. The joys of being wrong. I didn't come here to be right. Give me the fuck around. People like games. That's fucking outstanding. What's up, what's up? And welcome to episode 88 of People Like Games. I'm Solo, and before I go any further, there are two things you might have noticed. One, we have been on hiatus hiatus for quite a minute. It's been almost a month since our last episode, but end of summer, life, planning, events for the fall, etc. Sort of ended up getting in the way. Uh, and Lilo himself, as you notice, uh, which is point two, is not back with us just yet. Uh, life has taken him away from the listeners for hopefully just a few more weeks. Uh, we only got three more remaining episodes in season three. And so here's hoping uh, we get Lilo back for season four. And uh, with that, we got a whole new load of content coming in that way and in between. And so the podcast might take a September break, might not, but expect a whole lot of new content, etc., to be coming out from us regardless. Uh, if not even in a podcast form, expect, wait, pause. Here we go. You can start expecting it on all of our channels getting very active because we do want to focus now on engagement and sort of you know having the listeners to be part of the show and engage that is a method that i'll touch on at the end of the episode and how we'll work that however beginning with the plug walk let's hit right off into the socials twitter at people like games instagram at people like games the website www.peoplelikegames.com and the reddit r backslash people like games what else is there we are soon to be launching a little new community channel but until that's ready i'm just going to tease it as to this show you can find it on the usual suspects spotify apple podcast soundcloud stitcher etc etc and soon to be we will be getting into youtube finally and so both the episodes uh alongside a whole lot of new content so expect that first video to drop uh september 14th that saturday I believe about two weeks from now however until then we're just going to keep it kicking usually we kick it over to leo for the talk however i have no interest in summarizing the episode so we are just going to go right into it with a little bit of hotcakes in the lobby. That idea is changing. You know, we gotta play that sound cue. However, let's hit the stories quickly. Yu-Gi-Oh! has topped Switch sales uh, amongst the EMEAA territories. That makes up Europe, the Middle East, Asia, and Africa. Not a surprise. Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! has a huge popularity and the card game probably is gonna have a renaissance soon as well. Next up, we have... GameStop has let out a little splinter cell tease as to uh, the release of a new game. They released goggles for sale on their site, but with it added a, a small description that mentioned a new game that would be coming out. However, let's see what you know happens with that. We're pretty well aware of, I think everyone is, that a new splinter cell is coming out, and so 
it's sort of like the surprise everyone knows is gonna happen, but we're just all waiting for a formal announcement. Anyway, next up, Pokemasters, the new Pokemon mobile game based uh, or focused on battling rather than catching, ended up getting 10 million downloads in four days. They gotta run. Pokemon's a mo- Pokemon is a move. Pokemon is the move. And now let's wrap this all up with Nintendo Direct's uh, announcement and then subsequent release of Banjo-Kazooie in Super Smash Bros., which sees the first Xbox character come over to the Smash franchise. I'm pretty sure Master Chief will be joining them eventually. Anyway, that's what we got for you in the hotcakes now. Oh, yes, that's right. You know, that you know, we got to keep some of these segments the same. I know I'm going to be introducing some new shit soon, eventually. However, for now, it's quick scope time. If you're a new listener, that is where we cover the uh, you know, scope of, of the larger industry in gaming. So let's just jump right into it. Beginning with the ISFE, which is the Interactive Software Federation of Europe, has decided to launch an esports branch uh, to solidify uh, the industry and the, uh, the rising, uh, I guess, uh, field. Uh, alongside a bunch of gaming companies, tournament makers, Twitch, etc. Basically, before regulators can start defining the rules with which the institutions will function. It's pretty much what we had been saying here about loot boxes in relation to something just like this, which is fending off future regulation by creating mechanisms that would help self-regulate. This is hopefully a more ver- like active version of a European version of the ESA because the ESA in America, as everyone is well aware, has too many conflicts of interest to be too transparent and actually regulatory of its own profits and profit uh, scheme. So what can you do in that realm? We shall follow up with the what form that uh, federation ends up taking or that branch ends up taking on what can you do next up we got for our next story rather we have the uh, developers chucklefish are under a little bit of fire for uh recent tweets from former I guess volunteer employees would be an accurate way to describe it, who were stating that they did a whole bunch of unpaid hours of work and, uh, you know, they didn't, they worked hundreds of hours on the game and didn't get a single cent, uh, as well as a a bunch of other people. Chucklefish ended up responding and with their response issued the statement to PC gamers specifically Everyone was credited or remunerated as per their agreement. We're aware and saddened by the current allegations against Chucklefish, yada yada. Uh, During this time of early development, the core crew and community contributors were collaborating via a chat room and dedicated their time for free. Community contributors were under no obligation to create content. Work to deadlines or put in any number of hours. (laughs) The, you know, contributors responded that deadlines were, you know, heavily implied, if not formal, Uh, which, you know, is one of those situations where you have young people with good ideas who very much want to get into the gaming industry in a formal way as their future careers. And 
are well aware of the necessity of experience, even at, because one of them said they were 16 years old at the time, uh, Damon Reese was his name, uh, that necessity of uh, getting experience in even before your first job. And so at 16 years old, you know, maybe your only route to that to get something on your resume is to do this sort of free work uh, that would allow you to put that on your resume and count as experience. However, uh, this does then end up coming back uh, to, you know, something like this where they probably had great contributing ideas that, you know, maybe fundamentally shape parts or aspects of the game and they got nothing for it. And, you know, and, and Chucklefish isn't wrong that they said that as per agreements, I mean, they never said that these guys would get money, but I suppose they thought it was good faith. And good faith is non-existent in uh, that business, to be frankly honest. Um, so congrats, gaming, and uh, my apologies to the volunteers who felt they were exploited. Uh, this is a Hollywood model, and it has come to gaming. Or maybe it's been in gaming. Uh, now it's just a, a little bit more apparent as a these things uh, become anyway that's all i got on that story so we're gonna keep it fucking next up we have huya the chinese uh live streaming platform has taken a minority stake in esl to the tune of 30 million dollars the you know, great move by the ESL, who we're actually going to get into at the end of Quickscope as well, again. But the basis of the partnership has been, uh, you know, to get es- uh, the creation of esports competitions in China. I suppose they're going to roll that into the global ESL uh, partnership uh, or the global ESL schedule, which, again, we'll get to a little later. But next up, we got. Cyberpunk 2077, the game upcoming from the Witcher Studio CD Projekt Red, has revealed that they have decided to delete even the few instances of third-person perspective that had been in the game. Uh, The basis of that uh, for them, or I guess some of the, you know, players were saying that the lack of then third-person perspective on the character sort of nullifies and makes uh, pointless the uh, existence of uh, a character builder, which I guess is cool and makes sense and does save them a whole lot of time and, uh, or CD Projekt Red that is, of having to create the generator and make it part of their world. I know the the users might be upset. Um, the you know, CD Projekt Red claims it is for you know, sort of narrative continuity uh, and to maintain immersion into the game. That's something I can agree with, however, because uh, as a huge fan of God of War and, you know, I thought that one of the best games ever made, uh, they stuck to a very similar method of not trying to break the camera uh, so as to maintain immersion and it very much fulfilled that. Um, And so if this game is cracking on what it's supposed to be, I'm just going to trust the developer until the game is out. So with that, not terrible. Next up, a little bit of Gears 5 news, which uh, the game is set for release, uh, I believe today or tomorrow, uh, and I actually believe today, and uh, we ended up finding a a little spot uh, or a little interview with the Coalition Studio head, Rod Ferguson, with GameSpot uh, about what he learned um, 
from his experiences working on Bioshock Infinite, best game ever, but how he ended up bringing those lessons into this game. Uh, specifically, this is his quote. We were saying we want uh, to challenge the expectations of player choice. What are ways that we can give the player more choice? And so one way is player-initiated combat. I learned that lesson from Bioshock Infinite. And so the idea that there are battles that the swarm are just kind of meandering around or whatever, and you get to look around and see there's a weapon over there, there's a flank point there or a sniper over there, and then what are the tools I have in Jack that I can sort of use to overcome the situation, we wanted to allow you the moment to take it in and decide how you wanted to play it out. And then with some enemies having health bars, it allows for a different style of play because it means that if I know that carrier is down to one, basically it allows uh, the user to choose the uh, setup of the battle they want uh, based on different approximations uh, of weapon layouts, etc. cetera. Uh, and that was something Bioshock with the help of the AI assisted character Elizabeth would allow for. Just go buy the fucking game, uh, Bioshock Infinite, so you can learn what that means. But shout out to Rod Ferguson, we love Bioshock here, and we are very excited for Gears 5 as well. Um, always cool to see, uh, you know, lessons learned and lessons um, implemented. However, um, you know, now we're going to touch on something, maybe not specifically, just there's been sort of a wave of sexual assault uh, allegations and... Uh, such against uh, de famous developers, composers, etc. around the gaming industry. As with the case of Hollywood, or as is usually the case where there's severe power imbalances um, in industries, this usually tends to happen. It's unfortunate. It sucks. And people are shitty. And so there's really no way around it. Um, and so I guess my thing is, it's really not that hard to not sexually assault fucking people or be creepy or actually rape people and please god stop doing it and let's make gaming a far more inviting field for people who love it but who see these types of stories and then realistically have to say is it worth it to go through that even for something i love because there's always you know the the fear that you know something like that will will very much poison the thing you love and you know i'm my my sympathies to you know all the women involved and you know fucking guys who are involved should be you know sort of just kicked out and chained from the industry and uh you know we'll, we'll see though with how this goes as we saw with hollywood you know justice is a long long road and curve so let's just hope that we get some of it sooner than later Anyway, now we are going to wrap up Quickscope with a little story, as I had mentioned, on ESL coming back around. This one is particularly uh, important because in this one, the ESL and DreamHack have partnered to create the ESL Pro 2020 League. What does that mean, or Pro Tour, for starting in 2020? And so basically, it is a $5 million prize pool uh, of combined tournaments that will link over 20 of the tournaments that were split between challenger and master levels of the current ESL. Uh, in addition, so basically, the goal of it is to sort of craft a unified league or pro tour that doesn't, necess that doesn't necessarily mimic the geolocated uh, 
models that Overwatch and the the upcoming Call of Duty League are going to be using as well. And that is, you know, Counter-Strike was one of the reasons that, or, or the way they had their structure set up as uh, as an eSport was amazing because it wasn't branched off in the way that these geolocated ones are where there's a $25 million buy-in. It was basically, if your team is good enough in open tournament circuits to keep moving up, you'll find your place in there. And then new teams can come in and replace it. But when you have geolocated franchises and permanent buy-ins, well, that changes the structure because now, even if a team's amazing on the outside, they can only be brought into the teams that exist rather than starting their own and bring it in. So, you know, the goal of this was for them to, as they said, to, you know, solidify a couple of those different tournaments. And, you know, the real story, however, with this is the exclusivity requirements. And in that case, it looks like in the rules, they created uh, some of the clauses are uh, non-Val sponsored competitions uh, 14 days uh, before the grand finals are not allowed. All members teams of pro league shall limit their tournament participation days, meaning the active competition days of a tournament they participate in, regardless of if they play on that day or not, to no more than 60 calendar days per year. Uh, so, you know, this is, of course, do, uh, from Dick Serto, uh, and sort of, you know, obviously these are specific clauses that were sent out to the teams, um, and it's a, it's a little crazy. I, I think very much uh, what they're trying to do is freeze out Face It's ESC, which is the, um, or ECS, excuse me, the uh, esports championship series and that is meant to basically freeze them out and solidify counter-strike under you know was it um esl and dreamhack and that is a little shady um it has you know teams that are huge in, in the space already including liquid nrg uh main brazil complexity cloud nine etc phase astralis optic they're in both ECS as well as the ESL Pro. And so with these new rules set in, it literally freezes them out of the ESC. Uh, you know, we'll update you as it goes, but we'll see, you know, now that there's a Counter-Strike Professional Players Association, which is a union for player representatives, if uh, a league structure like that would be allowed without their approval, which is what should be required for them to implement rules that would freeze out or change the current structure that is sort of agreed upon, uh, if only because it's a default. And if we have a default starting point, then there can be, moving forward, more structured agreements. Anyway, that's all I got. I thought it's a little sketchy move. However, this is a topic I'm only touching on lightly and will become uh, a final app topic in the future because this is very much the beginning as well as we saw with Mixer and Ninja, actually, which we were not here for, but now you know, uh, of the exclusivity wars, uh, where the platforms are going to try very much to sign exclusive contracts with the biggest names and, you know, are going to try to make their names on the personalities. And so we'll see what ends up happening with that. Um, but there's a lot more to follow because this is very much going to be a growing trend 
uh, and is going to create a lot of battles uh, in content because, as we said, even with the streaming, uh, you know, streaming services that were being launched, that there's only a finite number of major developers and publishers, and therefore there's going to be major battles for trying to get exclusive rights to, you know, first, you know, exclusive selling. So, like, you know, the Epic Store came through and did very much that. So there's space in there uh, for that. Um, anywhere it was a, a little rocky. My apologies. We've been we've been away for a minute, so it has been a, a practice run to to be coming back, and uh, I think we're doing pretty well. So I'm gonna close this out with a quick something or another, and then a final lap. So for the something or another, I'm just gonna touch on quickly the fact that. Uh, the 100 Thieves have decided to not come uh, enter into the Call of Duty League. That is because, according to them and their investors, it's not worth the money at the moment and all the operating costs that they would incur by doing it. More or less, they're not making a lot of money from entering into their other leagues, and merchandise doesn't sell as much as you would think, and especially when you're operating a multi-multi-million dollar uh operation like that alongside just sponsors so unfortunately the game that made nate shot's career uh is going to be the league that they are not part of at least for now which is a little upsetting according to him that is upsetting but they also didn't want to create a specific city and tie the brand down because they thought it might uh exclude others which i get it and i sort of agree with that however he could have done it in his hometown, whatever the case is. And, you know, that wouldn't be necessarily anchoring the brand. It would just be giving it a home base. But that's just me and what I would do. And I'm not Nate nor am I as investors, nor would I want to be in business with Dan Gilbert. But that's just me. And what can you do? Anyway, for the final lap, before I get out of here, I'm going to hit this. Let me hit this. We do have something new starting up. We are going to be doing um, a little drop. So for the next three weeks, I'm going to ask the final lap question here and then follow up with it in the coming week. And so for this week's final lap, we're going to put it up on the Reddit, on all the socials, and we would love to hear what everyone thinks. And then I'll come back and I'll get my opinion on it. And then we'll share some of the opinions or some of the funniest, best, worst, etc. opinions from the users on the topic as well. So... Come join us and talk on this question right here. In the games as services era, what constitutes a finished game? So for the ability uh, of publishers and developers to continually update uh, and create a sort of continual uh, feedback loop system and upgrade system, when they release a game, if it's free to play, that can be the defense of any defects of a game. And then when it comes to a $60 game, does that price point automatically end up becoming, hey, this game should be finalized, and why are you selling me a battle pass literally after I bought a $60 game versus it's free to play and I'll pay $60 for a battle pass to be able to play it? So we're going to leave that with you. I'm going to write these questions out again and post them in a specific page on the Reddit, and so we'll keep the thread of comments on that one. 
uh, and just get the wider wider socials going and uh, Reddit in particular. We want to, you know, build a page for people who love games. And so I'll be on often. Uh, hopefully you will be too as we start this new little concept. Otherwise, that's all I got uh, for this episode. Um, it's short, but it was a comeback episode. And we're back. Um, I'm back, at least temporarily, until we're back. And so we are back. I'm hosting. We will shall be joining in a few days, in a few weeks. We shall be back with season four together. For now, oh, I'm going to see us through the three. Our next episode, episode 89, I'm going to be calling the rehash. That sort of touched on some of the stories that we ended up uh, missing during our our month off that I thought were pretty important and worth getting to as well as a, a new segment in there and lastly we're going to be doing uh, episode 90 it's the retrospective and it will be look back on season tree and what we got for a quattro uh, more or less and so welcome back sorry for not being around but it's fall and it's my favorite season because sweater weather is in tow so we hope you're happy to hear us again we are happy to be back excited to be back and continuity back in the building son so the people have re-arrived we shall be in touch and